Hello everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Church Sermon Broadcast. The title of today's message is Fitness That Matters Most. Last weekend we hosted the famous Comrades Marathon. This 90-kilometer ultramarathon has got to be one of the, the greatest tests of fitness and endurance. Marathon runners will tell you that if you want to finish a race like this, you will need to develop more than your physical fitness. You will also need to develop your mental fitness. For example, marathon runners uh, experience something they call hitting the wall. It's when the body says, I cannot do this anymore. It just wants to shut down. It's their mental fitness that gets them through that. In that moment, their mental fitness is even more important than their physical fitness. Over the last decade, mental health awareness has grown significantly. More and more people are realizing that their mental health is just as important as their physical health and that our mental health affects our physical health. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are spiritual beings as well as physical beings and mental beings. And it teaches us the importance of spiritual fitness. Writing to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul compared our spiritual journey with a running race, the race that they would run in their games. And then later he compares it to a boxing match. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. I'll read all texts from the New International Version. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In the ancient games, there were no prizes for second place and third place. Only one person won that race. Everyone else lost. So if you took part in a race, your goal was not just to participate or to finish or to get into the top three. It was to win. As a result, athletes were highly disciplined people. They followed strict, tough training. They were devoted to their goal, which was to wear the winner's crown. There was no aimless jogging around for those athletes. Now, Paul makes this point here. Those athletes follow strict training programs, devoting themselves to winning their race. Their reward is a crown or a wreath of, of leaves that will soon wilt and eventually rot away. We are also running a race, a spiritual race. One that will gain us eternal glory. So it makes absolute sense to train ourselves to run our spiritual race well. 
We are looking to win an everlasting prize. Paul wrote a similar message to his disciple Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 to 9. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. There are many benefits to physical training. A fit body is less likely to get sick. Physical fitness improves our ability to work and to cope with stress. But spiritual training is even more valuable. It is value for all things on earth and in heaven. But not everybody understands this. In 1868, the songwriter Joe Hill came up with a now famous expression, pie in the sky. He wrote it in a song that criticized the Salvation Army for being too focused on rewards in heaven and not attending to the pressing matters on earth. It's ironic because the Salvation Army pays great attention to the needs of the poor, the homeless, the hungry, the destitute. Their mission statement is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. The godliness of this army of Christ followers actually has and had significant value for life here on earth. Paul made it clear, spiritual fitness or godliness is not just pie in the sky, by and by when you die. It has great value in this present life and in the life to come. The greater value is obviously the eternal one. After all, eternity is forever and this life is short. But godliness has great value in this present life as well. If we accept this biblical wisdom, then we should surely want to be spiritually fit. So today we'll consider this question. How do I get spiritually fit? In his second letter, the Apostle Peter gives his readers a kind of spiritual training program that will get us spiritually fit. Let's read that. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive 
in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first lesson I believe we need to learn is that you can become spiritually fit and you can stay spiritually fit. Verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I don't believe for a moment that anyone can run the Comrades Marathon. Some of our bodies are just not suitable for ultramarathons. But here the Bible tells us that everyone can be spiritually fit and live an effective and productive life. It's possible for all of us because it is God who works in us. His divine power enables us. So please don't think that a life of godliness is only possible for those special people, the ones that are that way inclined, things like that. Godliness is possible for every person who has given their life to Jesus. It's possible for you. The second lesson is that this will require effort on your part. Verse 5 says, make every effort. I think it would have been amazing if the Lord had just worked his divine power in me the moment I gave my life to him and instantly turned me into a mature man of God. That would have been fantastic. But this is not the way that he's chosen for us. He has chosen to partner with us on a journey to this godliness. He has chosen to work it into our lives by exercising his divine power while we exercise our effort, our personal effort. We, as Peter wrote, make every effort and he works his divine power in us. It's actually a terribly unequal partnership, if you think about it. It's his indescribably great power and our puny little effort. But the Lord requires that we make that effort. Thirdly, we need to know that our efforts will make us productive and effective. It has value right here on earth. Verse 8 for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've jumped to verse 8 to give us some motivation for the spiritual fitness program. If we do make every effort to do the things that Peter lists, our lives will be productive and effective. This is not just pie in the sky. This is living a productive, effective life, even now. So let's take a look at that list. Number one, goodness. The, the Greek word here can also be translated as virtue and as excellence. It means so much more than just not being bad or staying out of trouble. It's about being notably good. It speaks about us actively being good and doing good. People should be glad that they know us because 
We are good for them. We make the world around us a better place. If we want to become spiritually fit, we must look for opportunities to do good and take those opportunities. Number two, knowledge. Making every effort to grow in knowledge means that we are to be lifelong learners. We need to keep on learning God's ways through his word and through others who can teach us. Now, this is not an, just an academic, a cerebral pursuit of having heads full of knowledge. It's a practical pursuit of learning the words and ways of our master so that we can put them into practice. As we grow in our knowledge of Jesus' words and ways, we become better disciples of Jesus. That's when we're living out what we're learning. And we become better disciple makers. Because the more we learn, the more we can teach. If we want to become spiritually fit, we must actively seek to grow in our knowledge of the words and ways of our Lord. And to apply this knowledge to our lives. Number three, self-control. Let's be honest for a moment. We don't always feel like doing the right thing, do we? And sometimes we may feel like doing the wrong thing. This is where self-control keeps us on track. Self-control says, I don't feel like doing it, but I will do it anyway. A biblical example of this is David taking charge of his soul when he just didn't feel like praising God. He was so down. Psalm 42 verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. At self-control, taking charge of ourselves. The fourth is similar. Perseverance. Perseverance is the decision to keep on going when you don't feel able to. For the marathon runner, self-control gets them out of bed at 4 a.m. to run. But it's perseverance that keeps them running through that wall when their body is screaming, enough! Spiritual perseverance is what keeps us praying when we haven't seen the result yet. It keeps us worshipping when times are hard. It keeps us discipling people when they disappoint us. That's perseverance. Exercise number five, godliness. The Greek word here speaks of reverence, holiness, and devotion to God. A godly life is a life devoted to God. It's a life that puts God first in everything. A prayer of godliness is found in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it becomes personal. Your will be done in all of my life as it is in heaven. Now, many of us have prayed prayers like this, but godliness pursues this prayer. 
as we see that an area of our life is not completely surrendered to God, we surrender it. As we see that God is not first and part of our life, we make the necessary changes to put God first. We make every effort to grow in godliness. Number six, second to last exercise, mutual affection. Jesus said that love for one another is a defining mark of the disciple of Christ. John chapter 13 verse 35 records his words. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As we put God first in each part of our lives, we obey God's command to love one another. Our devotion to God is expressed in our caring for one another, in our serving one another. Having put God first, we now begin to put others before us as well. Number seven, the last one, love. When we learn to love, we learn to live God's way. Jesus said that the entire law could be summed up in two commands, to love God and to love others. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I would say that a clear sign of our spiritual fitness is that we live a life of love. A runner knows when they are physically fit, when they can cross that finish line, when they can win races. A disciple of Christ knows that they are spiritually fit when they truly love God and truly love others, not merely in word, but in deed. Wow, I know that's a long list. But it is a list worth learning and pursuing. I urge all of us today, let's go through this list again and get training so that we become spiritually fit and stay spiritually fit, living effective, productive lives for the glory of Jesus. Amen.